0: Welcome to Demystify Innovation. I'm Jonathan Foster.
1: And I'm Hannah Söderfeld.
0: This is part two of our special three-part mini-series featuring the innovation wisdom of Magnus Carlsen and Gunnar Storfeld.
1: When companies embark on innovation, they often leap first and ask questions later.
0: Nobody wants to be asking about parachutes as the ground is racing towards you.
1: In this episode we discuss international innovation standards and certification which are designed to help you manage your innovation efforts and give you the chance to land where you
0: actually want to land and hopefully in one piece. So how do you check whether you have the right elements in place to innovate effectively over and over again?
1: How do you measure competence in your organisation? How transparent is innovation and why should it be?
0: And don't forget, you can hear the first part of this conversation on the episode called Mission Critical or Mission Impossible. So here's Magnus Carlsen and Gunnar Storfeld kicking things off by giving us some background on the origins of international standards.
2: Well, there is actually an ongoing initiative that um, originated um, 10 years ago at the international level where um, a couple of people got together and decided let's let's create a guiding framework for innovation management, and it actually started at European at European level. Um, the origins to that was that in Spain they already had a national standard, yeah, and, and um, as a matter of fact, they wanted to make sure that uh, companies that were uh, were receiving government funding for uh, innovation projects and so on. Uh, really were configured in a way so that they could best make use of that money, meaning that they had an innovation management system in place within their organizations. So this idea then migrated to European level, and in 2013 we got a, a European guiding standard or a technical specification uh, for for such a framework. And it's important to view this not as not as a a, a bl- blueprint or to do list, but rather a um, a recommendation, a guide, and you should ask yourself when you look at it, is there, is there anything of what's described here that, that I have forgotten or paid less attention to and so on? So it kind of reminds you of the things that you need to have in place or at least consider in order to drive innovation in your organization. And typically, if a company look at this framework, they, they, they would they would see that okay, we we have a couple of things in place, but we've completely forgotten these these elements. So maybe we should now pay some attention to maybe make the process a little bit more explicit. Maybe make sure that our managers have a little bit more competence and knowledge about how to bring new for new new things forward in an uncertain environment. Or maybe they have paid too little attention to, to insights that we talked about before and understanding the needs of their, their clients, customers, um, employees, or, or citizens, or whatever their, their, their stakeholders are. Uh, so in that way, they could, they could look at their innovation efforts in a more, more uh, systemic or holistic uh, view. And, uh, and uh, uh, of course, uh, by doing that, in- increase their performance, increase the output. Because there's always elements that are the weak link or the missing link or the bottleneck in your organization. Uh, It could be barriers that we talked about before that needs to be removed. It could be measurements or it could be competence or it could be the lack of roles and responsibilities within your organization. And a guiding framework could help you to identify that and make sure you work on the most important things rather than the most obvious things. It's important to understand that
3: the, um, the standard is, is not messing around with the specifics in your innovation process. Uh, you have to design your own innovation process based on your innovation needs. Uh, so, uh, and that, that is not standardized and should not be standardized.
0: So you mean the standards don't end up with everybody coming out with the same innovation?
3: Now, that would be a disaster if we had a standard telling everyone exactly how to innovate every step of it, how to use specific tools and methods and how to build specific competences and so forth. Since we're all humans and we're working in in organizations, similar organizations, and use exactly the same processes and tools, we would end up with exactly the same results. Uh, which means that we're back to square one. No differentiation, no added value creation uh, whatsoever compared to your competition. Uh, So it has to be unique for every organization. But the the, the framework, the guideline, uh, is is like, as Magnus pointed out, it's more of a checklist. Do we have the the most important elements in place to be able to innovate
2: effectively over and over again? I think we can't stress enough the importance of adaptability when it comes to these standards or or guidelines and um, that it, it's, it's all about configuring uh, the way you work with innovation, the structures and the resources, the people and the competence inside your organization uh, to actually fit the opportunity at hand. That's why we keep coming back to the importance of understanding what are the opportunities and challenges out there and how do we as an organization want to tackle that? How do we want to confront that? If if one answer is by innovation, we have kind of the setting. And that's where we can use the, the guiding framework to get some inspiration. Okay, how are we going to set things up? Uh, have we made the... Uh, uh, have, have we kind of put check in the boxes for all the different things uh, and so on? Uh, but it doesn't tell you how to do it. It tells you what to think about when you set it up. But it has to be done not only specific to the organization but also to the strategy and the approach and the approach that you choose to have toward innovation in the organization
1: so this isn't the end of open innovation initiatives or design thinking
3: initiatives or well, absolutely. These are great tools. I mean, these are great uh, approaches for achieving certain things in certain 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 points or certain situations uh, throughout the innovation process. But they're they're not the sole thing.
2: They're not the the silver bullet. For example, when an organization says, "Okay, we need to do open innovation," that is that is that is the wrong statement. Uh, what you need to do is just to say okay we have we have a challenge and we need to innovate to uh, to 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 deal with this challenge and then should should we should we apply an open approach or should we do it internally or should we find a partner and so on so that would that would be the the right sequence and that 's how you bring in open innovation so this is this is not the end of open innovation. this is the beginning of doing it effectively.
0: So you just tailor the guidelines to match your own needs, use a systemic and a holistic approach. Okay, that sounds easy enough. So we spoke to some real innovators to see how they deal with their own challenges in the real world. My name is Matthias
4: Bellin. Um, I'm heading up the advanced development and innovation uh, team in uh, Electrolux um, Dishcare in global operations.
5: What we often
4: do is to, we try to do, do too many projects. Uh, we split resources in a too high degree. Then we pay the price for uh, But also the front loading part, I think, um, priority
0: one is to, to get the front loading right. Do yeah. you have a standard at Electrolux that you use or any kind of frameworks? Yes, of course. I mean, uh, we have,
4: uh, you know, detailed um, processes for every phase. But then um, there's still struggles in projects.
1: Uh, My name is Elin Furulid and I work at the Absolute Company in Stockholm. We have some kind of like stage gate process. Um, I can't say that we have an agile approach but uh, we're very iterative, very iterative as a company. There's a lot of things changing and I think that maybe we could be better on doing the groundwork before we start the projects because sometimes we think that we're fast but we actually are slowing down in the end.
0: So you're jumping out of a plane without the parachute ready?
4: Yeah, very often. My name is Stefan Blachus, and I'm head of the Center for Innovation at the Karolinska University Hospital. We are a very regulated uh, industry, mm. if you will. So that means when we take the innovation paradigms from, uh, from industry or from private enterprise or from entrepreneurship uh, or other entrepreneurship examples, we have to adopt them to the world that we are in, both in terms of language and in terms of process.
0: So even if you had international standards, nonetheless extremely tailored to your own need, it's not yep. as if you're changing the way you do innovation because of those certifying yep. or, or standards.
4: No, no, it's, it's very clear. I mean, it, wh- whenever you go and do good innovation work, is because you identify the needs of your constituents. <laughs> Uh, uh, that's also what's fun with innovation. You have to be really holistic to understand all all of those different things. Uh, and that's also why you have to stay extremely focused on understanding who are we working for? Why are we doing what we're doing?
2: Let me just, just add a little bit on the... the, uh, the um uh, how the the guiding framework is evolving at uh, international level. So, uh, 2013, when we had the uh, European uh, guiding framework in place, the work started for the um, uh, for for an international f- uh, framework uh, done by uh, the International Standards Organization, ISO, and uh, that is uh, scheduled to be completed around 2018, 2019. These are long processes. And there are reasons for that, because these are consensus-driven uh, uh, endeavors, uh, projects, meaning that you have representatives from countries all over the world, and, and right now there are about 50 countries being actively involved in producing this framework. And of course, they have different opinions and they they have different competencies that they bring to the table, and uh, that process takes uh, takes some time now the good thing with such a slow consensus driven process is the outcome is then kind of shared and agreed uh, very broadly internationally and uh, that gives some credibility to the end results so that's that's one one reason for using that as a starting point for for working with this within an organization or a or, or a company and when this was opened up at the international level um we have also had players from from outside of Europe joining South America, North America, uh, but also Asia in many parts. And we see slight differences in how they uh, approach these things. Uh, for example, more of a kind of an emerging uh, market perspective. Let's see South America and so on. They are they are really keen on getting some kind of. Um, of policy instruments to drive more from a government perspective to to uh to to have something very specific and concrete to uh to relate to uh, when they try to drive innovation within their societies when we look from a nation perspective we see also a a a need to have a blueprint uh they they are they are less comfortable working with uncertainty and so on so if there could be be some kind of order or some kind of clarity uh, around the process elements, the uh, the the structures and so on that we have been talking about here today, uh, they are also more 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 inclined towards adopting and taking an interest in that because it can be communicated more easily, and uh, and, and and they can kind of put a force behind it to to um, uh, make sure that this um, kind of diffuses in society and more organizations get to know about it and adopt it in a way that. That, that suits that particular organization
3: now, I, I believe that the framework is is a good guideline, and we talked about leaders and managers and their fear of of uh, throwing themselves into uncertain endeavors such as as innovation. A standard could provide um, some comfort uh, in that. It's, uh, it's agreed upon, it's international. Um, it has some authority, so to speak, Um, and uh, it's a good framework also for learning. So it's not only a checklist for setting up your innovation management system, it's a framework for learning, for leaders to learn about how to manage and lead innovation.
0: Do you think being Swedish affects how you do innovation?
1: Uh, since we're a French-owned company, uh, and uh, we're working on a global level, um, I think the Swedishness actually helps a little bit. We're working a lot with the US market, for example, and the US market are very—it could be very tactical, but also very strategic, and they don't know what they want, and it goes back and forth.
5: I'm Nigel Cordery. I'm responsible for sales for Sophion in the Benilux and the Scandi, uh, Scandinavian regions. I um, experience in especially in Sweden, has been that they're, they're very consensus-driven, whereas the Anglo-Saxon companies are much more top-down, which means you have to take into account that everybody has a part to play and a voice in the process. So, yeah, in terms of that, it's much more democratic than we might get used to outside.
0: So e- even though you have a uh, framework in place, uh, different cultures will approach that in a different way and use it differently.
5: Oh, definitely, yeah. I mean, if we look at... Uh, we do a much of our software development in the States where they're much, more, they're much more willing to fit within a rigid framework than maybe the Europeans are, where there's a little bit more of an anarchistic, and individualistic approach to things. So it may take a little bit longer to implement stuff in Europe than it does in the States.
0: Thank you very much for speaking to me,
5: Nigel. <laughs> Thanks, Jonathan.
1: Yeah. Good old Europeans, both anarchistic and consensus driven. No wonder it's difficult to drive innovation.
0: So let's make things a little easier by leaving the messy business of cultural subjectivity and instead return to the relative safety of standards and certification. Gunnar, you mentioned at the beginning of this conversation uh, that there's large multinational companies that have highly complex mission-critical processes. They're highly professional at performing them. They do a great job. Uh, yet still when it comes to uh, innovation they have a, a level of uncertainty and failure and so forth i mean on one level we as innovation uh, experts seem to be failing to convince people that the way to go is systematic and 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 professional do standards help in
3: some way to to push that argument uh, absolutely i believe it's it's crucial it's it's a wedge Uh, that you can use to uh, um, to spread that knowledge Um, and hopefully it it creates a foundation for for how we um, um, select um, train or educate um, develop uh, the next generation
0: leaders Uh, we've sat around had the conversations with all kinds of experts all kinds of fantastic thinkers and we often come to the same conclusion that the problem is a psychological approach. People get scared. People have emotional architecture and it, it fails to allow them to to move and push uh, innovation forward in the way that they need to. Standardization, in some respects, uh, offers them a sort of external emotional architecture to hold on to and swing through. Absolutely.
3: From. And it make, makes it clear that it's it's a job to be done and, and uh, people are good at doing jobs as long as they have a direction, as long as they have some kind of framework to hold on to. Uh, and let's use that for innovation to our advantage. Uh, we tend to forget that.
2: I just want to add to that the, that the idea of a management system is, is not new to organization. There are many management systems, uh, quality management, environmental management, uh, energy, and so on. And um, what's happening now is that innovation management becomes part of that family and uh, the format is 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 the same so it's possible to kind of plug it into the management system that the organization already has in place so that makes it easier because it's familiar and they have they they have they have done it before and so on uh, but again if this is going to be the uh, the silver bullet for making innovation happen in an organization the answer is i think we don't know yet because this is the beginning of of uh, kind of the emergence of such frameworks and we need to we, we still remains to be seen whether parts of the organization will take ownership of that develop it implement it and really put it to use and we have to be humble here. We don't know. But uh, still, it, it brings a little bit of, of, of comfort and certainty to an area that has been very difficult to navigate in for most companies and organizations so far. So let's hope that that helps to take the next step to make innovation more, more professional and more systematic in organizations.
0: Brilliant. And, and happily saying we don't know yet is showing, uh, is showing expertise and comfort in a high assumption environment. We've seen it live. True. So let's (laughs) experiment
3: a bit (laughs) and learn.
1: So guys, what do you think about um, a a certification for innovation managers? Is is there a need out there to certify people who will lead the innovation initiatives?
2: Once again, I think that we need to be be humble here. There may be a way uh, or there may be a, a need to do that. Um, certification for kind of personal certification for innovation managers or, as we prefer to call them, innovation management professionals, because they have many names, but they are working professionally with innovation management in organizations. Uh, it, it could be a good thing because it kind of creates the visibility that there is a role that we can call uh, that. Uh, and it also puts into light what what are the key competences for such a person, and uh, as a matter of fact we don't have we don't have the the uh, the the answer the complete answer to that so again we are in learning mode we're experimenting to to try to understand what is what is the core curriculum or the core competence that you need to master if you're going to be an innovation management professional in an organization and um, and um, certification is then uh, Kind of kind of setting the standard but I would say it's more like creating the visibility and creating the awareness that uh, for an organization that wants to move uh, on this uh, on this kind of journey of more professional uh, professional innovation management uh, making sure that they have uh, persons in the organizations that are the forerunners that know that, that know the subject that that can help and kind of drive the processes and so on could be a, a really good thing. So I think uh, as a first step, um, personal certification could really help to put the spotlight. On a responsibility and a role in organisation that is very much needed.
0: You, you mentioned earlier at the beginning of the conversation that uh, it was difficult for large organisations to find employees or to make or to support the entrepreneurial ones within the organisation. Uh, certification is a is one process where that that helps.
2: I think we need to look at uh, two dimensions here. One is the entrepreneur or the innovator, and that could be anyone in an organisation. Uh, the innovation management professionals are, are a particular skill to support the, the the first type of people. So, you need to find the right balance here. Uh, the innovation management professionals, they could they could be called innovation managers, as as you were talking about, Hannah. And they could also be innovation coaches or innovation champions or ambassadors. There are a lot of names. Uh, but they're... Their particular skill is to know the tools, know the structure, and to help both managers and employees, all potential innovators or entrepreneurs in the organization, to actually move their agenda forward, to make sure to navigate through. What are the process elements? What are the resources that we need to bring in place? And make sure that we do not underestimate the task of moving innovation through the organization or the company. So we,
3: t- we talked about the importance of building competencies for innovation and innovation management. And, and we also talked about the difficulties in, in, in measuring and following up. And now uh, certification could provide a basis for, for, for measuring. How many certified... Um, innovation management professionals do you have? Uh, because the assumptions we have is that the in- increased knowledge about the subject is, is one success factor. Um, so it could be used f- for an organisation as, as one point of measurement.
0: So how does all this theory work in actual practice? Let's leave the last word to Stefan Vlakos from Karolinska University Hospital on the reality of working with certification. Why was your organisation, or, or the hospital, interested in certification in the first place? Well, uh,
4: because we have, uh, as the first Swedish county council, actually an innovation strategy and a policy. Uh, and that clearly says that we are going to use our innovation energy and efforts in order to become better at what we do. Therefore, it's quite important to understand how we lead innovation from within the hospital as such, or, or, or even at the county uh, level.
0: So when you say lead innovation, is it quite transparent then in the, in the whole hospital? Are other people outside of the innovation department aware of what's happening or aware of the projects?
4: <clears throat> to a very varying degree. We've been quite active in some areas, for example, cardiovascular and women and children's uh, health, uh, medical imaging as well, for example. Other areas we've not been so, so active. But we're con- continuously communicating a lot. Uh, and that's part also of spreading the innovation culture uh, and making people happy about innovation. So on an on a organizational-wide
0: level, there's yeah. reasons why you've implemented a sort of certification program. What about on a personal level? Does it help you specifically in your job? What, how have you felt?
4: Well, it does uh, because it clearly sets out what does the innovation management part of the job do. How does that differ from, for example, other central functions like process development or or finance or or IT. Uh, And the tools that you bring uh, with you as an innovation leader are different uh, and you apply them differently and you find that you need a different mentality or personality with the people who work there. There's quite quite a different thing from driving and pushing the boundaries versus being better and better and better at what we are currently doing, which you need both of.
0: So there you go. Standards and certification might sound like they could restrict your creativity, but they actually free you up to explore innovation on your own terms and support your inner emotional architecture to possibly allow for a better decision-making process. So the third part of this mini-series is coming up where we'll find out the truth behind the complex relationship between startups and old established players. Thanks for listening.
1: Make sure you don't miss anything by subscribing at iTunes, SoundCloud, or you can find us at our website, amplifyinnovation.com. Thanks for listening. This podcast was produced by Jonathan Foster for Foster Media and Hannah Serfeld for Amplify Innovation.